Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Week 9 is here and the winds of change are blowing through Indianapolis. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Inside Football. Good to have you back again. Rick Venturi is back. He's got over 40 years of coaching in major college football in the NFL on the sidelines. And today we're here to talk with Rick about coaching changes, trades, new quarterbacks, and the task at hand this Sunday against the New England Patriots. Rick, you got your notebook out. We're busy today, sir. Man, we are busy. One thing about that, Colts, we we are not dull. I mean, we can Never. keep it interesting no matter what. Not, and not just on Sunday. I mean, we keep busy right in the middle of the week, Matt. No question about it. That's what we're here to do, to sort it all out, I should say. Um, let's go in order. Let's talk about the game from last week. Sam Ellinger's debut, Rick. Take me through the good. Take me through the, the still-needs-to-improve departments for Mr. Ellinger after his first career start. Well, I was really happy with him, and you know, as, as I said, as I told you on Monday, you know, after watching the film, it was it was only substantiated. I and, and I really believe this. With nine games to go, I have I have six reasons for optimism, uh, and right at the top is Sam. I I think he really gives us a chance. Um, you know what he showed immediately, and I think we did expect this, but you never know is this game is not too big for him. The Sunday game is not too big for him. You don't go through four years of starting in Austin, Texas, you know, and be overcome by the moment. I thought he was outstanding. Uh, My best compliment for him, Matt, is that he looked like he did as Mr. August. And and that's a great compliment because in August you're playing fourth quarters, uh, you're playing against vanilla defenses, you're playing with and against, you know, average to below people, most of them who don't make the team. But I thought he looked the same, which is a great compliment, only better. I really liked his pocket awareness. I, I thought it was somewhat like Drew Brees in the sense that he moved in and out with ease. You know, there were times when the rush, when our tackles would wash the ends by, and he stepped up gently. He didn't step up like he was in a hurry. He stepped up to look. And then, of course, his escapability uh, is going to mask some of our offensive line issues. Uh, My biggest question going in, and we talked about this last week, was does he really have the arm strength, and is that improvement, that delivery improvement, good enough in the show on those key situations, you know, third down, uh, red zone, two minutes. I thought he showed the compact delivery accuracy, and I thought he really showed zip on the ball. Um, You know, the one slant that he threw to Pittman was just an aspirin tablet. Um, He aired it out. We've seen him throw deep. I've never been overly concerned about the deep ball, and he throws a very catchable ball. You know, he, he aired it out to Pierce on the when Pierce won again, which is another reason for great optimism uh, as we go on. But he did that, and then actually, unfortunately, we got nothing out of it, and it was a game changer in the degree is he threw that over route, that race route to uh, Pittman at the end that uh, that Michael just dropped, I, 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 un, un, you know, uncharacteristically, but he just dropped it. 
but he really zipped that one in there. So a lot of my questions were really, really answered in that sense. I, you know, again, I thought he played with real poise. Mm-hmm. He was never frenetic, and this is what I mean by this. Most of the time when you see a guy who is either not capable, the game's too fast for him, or because it's his first time out or he's a rookie type of guy, is you'll see them play, you know, too fast. You know, like Johnny Wooden used to say, be quick but don't hurry. I, I thought he played that way. He he got out of trouble. He moved it around. But he never looked herky-jerky. Uh, I think he gives us chapters um, to what has been a very, very stale, unpredictive, un, you know, unproductive offense. Uh, not just the escapability, but he can run the designers. Um, he can run the rollouts. He can run the boots. He can run the options. And I think we'll see even more of him on the zone reads. I think there were a couple of times he was hesitant to pull it. And I think uh, I think Frank is probably telling him on these kind of dirty looks, keep it. Um, and but with the you know between the designers and the ad libs, um, you know I I thought it looked really good. Like I said, I I think we really have a chance. I think he juices. Uh, he juices our offense, and he did show me the ability to throw mm-hmm. the ball when he had to. You know, the only thing I'd like to have back is the fumble. Allen beat Nelson inside on that play and, and stripped it, and it's going to happen. You know, we obviously we've talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, the story of our season and our season's record is really almost directly proportional no to doubt. the turnovers that we've no given up. And I, I just think the big thing that I get across to him, because I don't think him and JT are guys who by nature will do that, is I think <clears throat> what we get across to him is, one, when you're in that red zone, two things you always got to do is don't take a sack and don't give up the field, you know, don't give up the three-point field goal. So, I mean, but I just think he was off to a really good start, um, you know, right along with him, uh, I think, you know, Pierce can do it. I mean, I, I said this I said this all to you and I laugh because our audience is younger, but uh, this is this is Ray Barry with speed. And the reason I say Raymond Barry, if anybody can get out the old films, he was the best extension hands catcher that I've ever seen in my in my years of covering football, you know, which is a ton. Uh, Raymond could extend on that sidelines and this kid extends. The only difference is Raymond wasn't really that fast, and this kid can really fly. And then I think Paris showed us exactly oh, yeah. what we forecasted for him. He showed us that explosiveness without even having a ball thrown across the line of scrimmage. I mean, he got it on a quick screen. He got it on a speed. And that was, to me, the four-two-nine that we saw coming out of college. And so, you know, those two explosive players – with a versatile quarterback, you know, I feel like our offense is going to get better. Yeah, career-long catch, uh, or run, I should say, for uh, for Paris Campbell. Then he had a 38-yard catch the other day against Washington. Uh, so big day for him. Good to see him playing well in terms of health. Um, all right, let's go to, to Tuesday. The Colts announced a major coaching change. They relieved Marcus Brady of his responsibilities as offensive coordinator and uh, only in his second season as OC after being the quarterback's coach in 19 and 20 and the assistant quarterback's coach in 2018. We're taping this before Frank Reich uh, has a chance to meet with the media later today, so we do want to preface with that. We're, we're going to have more context here in just a few hours. But a lot of people are curious about this because Marcus Brady didn't call the plays and he doesn't oversee a specific position group. He is the offensive coordinator, but with those two things in play, Rick, what did you make of that move with the Colts moving on from Marcus Brady? 
Well, you know, I I have to say that it, it was surprising um, in in the sense, you know, now uh, I don't think I, I saw that coming necessarily. But let's face it, you know, when you're not playing well, when your numbers are down, uh, you know, losing, I always love that line by that little guy in the natural, losing is a disease. <laughs> it really is. And, and unfortunately, it can be a terminal illness. And there's a lot of bystanders, even innocent bystanders in a war, um, who get killed along the way. I, I think what was uh, surprising about it to me um, was there's two types of coordinators in the league, both offensively and defensive. There are the directors and the administrators. And to explain this, this is what I mean. In the sense of directors, really and truly, Frank Reich is the de facto offensive coordinator and certainly the play caller. So he's really the he's really the field general on, on the offense. Uh, Brady really was an administrative, um, just like uh, Sirianni was. They were administrative offensive coordinators. They did, you know, they presented at the meetings. They did things like that. And there's, in a way, they have a football clerical role. So, you know, you it's 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 puzzling to me if it were the play caller and things like that. It it's a little bit more easy to understand. Um, you know, head coaches do this as an assistant as an assistant coach. You know, this is something that you live with. We in modern day football, this wasn't true when I started, but it has evolved because of the pressures involved. As an assistant, you know that there's times you're going to have to bite that bullet for the good of the whole. You know, it really that there's no question about that. You you have to do it. I've never really appreciated it with head coaches because those are the guys that you hired. It was your selection. And then all of a sudden it isn't good enough. But the reality is, is people that, you know, are a sense underproductive or perceived underproductive get fired every day in every walk of life. I mean, that's just the way it is. And whether it's right or wrong really doesn't matter. And to expect any other, like a special degree of loyalty in our business, you know, that, that went out with the trash last Friday here in the garbage. So, you know, again, head coaches do it for two reasons. One, you know, and you got to give them credit on this. You're you're innocent till proven guilty. Um, one category is you're doing it because you really believe that this could make the difference. Maybe it was in his presentation to the offense. Maybe they didn't feel like it was strong enough or powerful enough or yeah. confident enough. I don't know, but in that sense, uh, you make the change once because you legitimately feel like this change is going to save the season or make it or. On the other hand, uh, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, um, you basically, some guys have done it (laughs) to defer attention to themselves and to buy some time to give the illusion of changing everything and getting it right. So the one thing I know, though, in this business, we have nine games left. So decisions decisions are proven on the field, Matt. All the pundits can say what they want. They can talk. They can feel what they want. But in reality, the decision will be a good one or bad one based on the next nine performances. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's all about getting it done on the field results. All right, last piece of news then. Naeem Hines, Rick, traded to the Buffalo Bills right before the trade deadline yesterday on Tuesday and this comes after he signed that big three-year extension right before the 2021 season. The Colts receive a conditional sixth-round pick from Buffalo and running back Zach Moss, who's in his third season out of Utah. He was taken in the third round in 2020 by Buffalo. 
Um, the trade on its own, Rick, what does that, that trade signify for you? How did you take that when you heard it? Well, I think, I think indirectly, I think the big contract did have something to do with it, and I think we were, we were getting kind of leaks on that something was going to happen with Hines. I said in the summertime that one of the toughest things, one of the challenges for Frank was how he was going to use the Hines, how he was going to use three receivers, how he was going to use the multiple tight ends, and how he would be able to manage that at game time without diminishing the effect of JT. And this really has been a problem. And this is, you know, some people will say Hines is, has been underproductive or underused, but in reality, that has always been the challenge. Hines is a hybrid player. He is a hybrid specialized player. He's not a one-back, not a two-back, not a three-back. He doesn't fit any of those categories. What he is is he is a real matchup problem for uh, the other team based on loose play. And I was hoping the one thing I didn't think we developed enough of was the Taylor-Hines together. Uh, when they're in there, when they were in there in the last two years, it's been magnificently productive. And the irony is, is we used Hines exactly like you should use him Sunday. He caught two passes on matchups on linebackers, the one over the top, the one option route, and then with Taylor in there with a little bit of a counterfake, he he walks in the end zone with a speed sweep. Everything loose play. And so I feel like, well, you know, just as we were finding out exactly how to use him, he's gone. But I think what you get in the end of the day, if you can't use him, you know, now because the three wide receivers are playing better or whatever, then you can't you can't justify the contract. You can't get the bang for the buck if you're not using him more than you are using him. So you know, now in Moss, you're getting more of a back towards JT, towards Deion Jackson type. You're not getting the loose play matchup issues. You're getting really more of a true running back. But but why did they not use him, Rick? That's what everybody's wanting well, to know. Well, that, that is a little bit beyond me. That That would be a question that I would ask because I felt like that, you know, that the best combination that we had. Now, I will say that our receivers, Paris, and Pierce are proving that our three wide receiver set is pretty doggone good. But I felt like that the best set that we had was those two guys together, mm-hmm. you know, being able to still run Jonathan inside, you know, and in the zone game that he does, but having Hines. And I thought it worked perfectly Sunday. First first time we had an option route to him, he beats 52. Then he beats him on a wheel route all over the top, you know, that he gets down in the red zone, and then he runs the sweep. So, you know, those are the kinds of issues that, you know, if I were having a conversation with Frank, that would be my first question. No doubt about it. All right. Despite all the changes, despite all the questions, the Colts still have a game to play. Uh, in fact, nine more games uh, remaining here in the 2022 schedule. Up next, the New England Patriots. Rick, they're 4-4 four and four on the season. They've won three of the last four games for them, including last week's game against the Jets. Uh, last week, your guy, Bill Belichick, took over sole possession of second place all-time in wins by a head coach, trailing now only Don Shula. You guys worked together in multiple spots, or I should say in Cleveland back in the day. Uh, New England currently in last place in a very competitive AFC East division. 
On offense, they're they're pretty middle of the road in just about everything. 17th in scoring, 11th in rushing, 20th in passing. Mac Jones at quarterback. He's healthy after suffering an ankle injury. Back in week number three, he's coming off a 3,800-yard season as a rookie. That was the fifth highest total by a rookie ever in the National Football League. Defense is pretty middle of the road as well. 12th in scoring, 23rd in rushing, 22nd in passing. Um, but they do have the fifth most sacks in the NFL, guided by Matthew Judon. He's tied for the league lead with eight and a half sacks so far on the season. On special teams, uh, pretty good. Nick Folk, very good kicker, still getting it done in his 16th season. By the way, he was just named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week last week, uh, five for five on field goals against the Jets. All right, so that's the big picture on New England. Rick, what else do we need to know about the Patriots going into week number nine? No, you're exactly right. I, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm obviously very familiar with Bill and hats off to the, you know, becoming number two. And then the last good thing I want to say about him is right there. Um, you know, I, I would say that to me, I don't think this is your father's Patriots. I don't, you know, for years, you know, Bill and still is the last of the total control GM head coaching type guys. I just don't think that they're as talented uh, as they have been. He, he doesn't have the premier players, uh, necessarily the game changers, but they'll always be competitive as long as he's in the coach. But, you know, in reality, what you said is is right. I mean, when it's all said and done, they're number 20 on offense and, you know, number 19 on defense with a with a turnover differential of zero. So it's not, you know, this is obviously not a team that is just outstanding or elite team. Now, Belichick's teams will always grow as the season goes on, but they've had trouble. You know, they've got a little bit of a co- uh, quarterback controversy. Now, he's came, he's come out tremendously for Jones, but, you know, Zappi played pretty good when he was in there, and so – you know, Bill will stay. He'll stay with somebody till he till he doesn't. Um, you know, you you hit it on the head. Their strength. There's they have really three strengths. They rush the ball pretty doggone well with Stevenson and Harris. Um, you know, they, they're they're in good shape there in the rush. They're thirteenth. They're actually, despite not being a great defensive unit, and this is pretty characteristic of the Belichick teams. They are thirteenth in points given up. They always manage to keep you out of the end zone. And then they do rush the passer primarily with Judon, you know, where they also rank high in in those three areas. So, again, you're going to get specialized game plan. Bill's strength always has been to specialize his players, and that's why he gets better as he gets a good grip on his team because he then finds specialized spots for everyone. Um, But, you know, in the end, they're very, very game-specific um, the game plan, even though the volume of what he does in time, the volume is high, but it's high based on a lot of games, and it's based on specializing players. But the game plans themselves are very, very narrow. There's no question about it. I always, you know, and what it is, he, he you know, I learned the concept of scratch word itches from him. In other words, he is going to play you game-specific, what – you know, what he did last week against, you know, somebody is not necessarily what he's going to do about you. So it's really important to know yourself. I always told young coaches when we got ready to play them that if you don't know your weaknesses going in, you'll you'll know by the end of the first quarter because mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, he'll take advantage of them. But, you know, again, 
this is this is the very game specific. The really important thing going in is to you know do a really good self scout, uh, do an honest assessment of your strengths and liabilities. Uh, come out to beat him. Don't come out just to hang in there for a while, and uh, be ready to adapt at all times. All right, let's roll out the blueprints. Let's get the musts and the keys to win this game. We begin when New England has the ball, and that unit guided now by former Lions head coach Matt Patricia, who's back in New England for his second stint. Patriots scoring just over 20 points per game. The ground game is starting to roll. They're over 100 yards in five straight games with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Mac Jones in year number two. Uh, his leading receiver is Jacoby Myers, who's one of the best undrafted free agent wide receivers of all time from that standpoint. Devontae Parker added in the offseason. He's chipped in with over 300 yards and a touchdown, but he suffered a knee sprain uh, last Sunday against the Jets. He might not play this weekend. Nelson Aguilar is their big play receiver, averaging over 20 yards per catch on 15 grabs. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, two very good tight ends who have combined for 29 catches, over 300 receiving yards this season from that position. And then interestingly enough, you talked about it before, the Patriots, they have 16 turnovers on offense, tied for last, and 16 takeaways on defense, the most in the NFL. So they're even neutral in the turnover margin. Um, so what else stands out to you about the Patriots on offense as we uh, transition into your musts? Well, I think the number one thing that you've got to know is they're they're actually very very basic. Okay, they're not a very complicated team. Patricia has taken over. You know, he is always his history is defense. So between him and Judge running the offense, I think they've had to take some time to get better. But I think they are finding themselves. Uh, I think the fact that Parker they're they're saying he's not going to play. I, I think that takes something away from him. Parker has become their outside guy, uh, the 50-50 guy, isolate him on the weak side, um, you know, get him the ball. He's a long guy that can go up and get it. Um, with him out of the game last week, they went to Bourne, you know, who has had moments for them. You know, him and Aguilar lately just haven't seen the field very much. Uh, but it will be Bourne, I think, at the X or the split end. But in the end, three things they do very, very well uh, in, 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 their, in their over and over is they rush the ball pretty doggone good, like you said, uh, with Stevenson, you know, you know, Stevenson and Harris. And then now, you know, with, with Parker out, they're going to get the ball to two guys. This, this, is, this is how Bill operates. When he's got these specialized guys, he's going to get to them, you know, and, and there, there isn't any doubt he's going to get the ball – um, you know, basically inside to Myers, he's going to get Myers and Stevenson have 67 catches between them. Okay, with Henry at 15. Now those are the key healthy guys this week. So, you know, it's it's about the running game. It's about Myers and Stevenson, and you know, with Henry there as the complement. No question about that. You know. I think their offensive line is a solid run-blocking line. You know, they've done certain things against us. Look for them to, you know, look for them to steal things from Tennessee, anything that's hurt us. Uh, you know, look for them to go to that. Uh, never, never forget history when you play Belichick. And I always remember the Jonas Gray game. I mean, 
you never heard from before, never heard from after, but he got 201 yeah. you yards. You talk about game-specific, brother. Yeah, just running lead plays. Remember, I mean, we were light at the Will linebacker, and, I mean, he came in there in that I formation that day and ran for 200 yards. So, I mean, you gotta you got to know that. I would say in capital letters um, that, you know, uh, with Parker out, this is what they're going to do. They're going to try to keep the running game going, and they're going to throw it, you know, and they're going to throw it to Myers and Stevenson. And then the the other key issue, and we've got to be alert for this because we really fell down in the game Sunday against Heineke, is Jones is a very good athlete, and he kept drives alive last Sunday with his legs. He can scramble. He can move it, and he can move the chain. So we have to have a good rush plan. But as far as the must – you know, I think, number one, just going into that, you know, you're looking at the 13th, you know, best rush team in the league. You've got to stop their direct runs. They're very much a direct run team, and they will use Cannon, who is their sometimes starter at right tackle, and they've, they've done this to us every year forever. He will become a tight end, and I'll refer to those as jumbo sets, and they like to run right at him when he put that extra tight end in the game. Again, they're 13th in the rush. Uh, but and Stevenson is 5-0 for carry. Harris is 4-4. Again, alert the Tennessee running attacks. Now, what I mean by that is Tennessee had a lot of success by shifting from one strong side to the other, some unbalanced stuff, a lot of resets, and we didn't adapt. And when he sees that kind of thing, he's going to come back to it. And even though they haven't been a big lead team in the past, just remember the legend of Jonas Gray – and be ready for that. I, I like to play what we call under, and we're an over team, but I like under what we call 4-I, where you take the other end, instead of sinking them all the way down, you just play them on the inside of the tackle. So you shut down all that inside running game and make it bounce. But number one, you've got to stop the direct runs and adapt to their jumbo sets. Number two, you've got to eliminate anything big. Now, losing Parker takes a lot away from them, but what you got to do, you got to have a good plan for Myers. Myers is going to be in that slot most of the time, or he's going to be close to the box. He's going to run a lot of over routes, drag routes. When they get in that third and five to seven, you know, which I always refer to as the money down, he is going to be running the options and the jerks. You got to be ready for him. You got to have a plan this week for Myers, especially with Parker out. And then, again, you've got to have a plan for Stevenson out of the backfield. You know, he kind of was like the old Falks and guys that he's had over the years, uh, White, that could run the option routes. And so, you know, he's devoid of a lot of skill, so it'll be a two-man game. It'll be Myers and Stevenson out of the backfield when it comes to the passing game. Uh, you got to stay ahead of the count. Number three, must stay out of the, ahead of the count and rush this team with four- and five-man rushes. You know, it's not like they have a great receiver core. We can, man, we can play man coverage. Their tackles, including Brown, really struggle with speed. Their right tackle is very fluid. Some games it's wind, some games it's cannon. But they both have real trouble there. Uh, their left guard, I would say, Strange, is their weakest link. You want to get Buckner on him. Uh, but they also struggle at right guard. So, you know, and they, and last week they had to go with uh, Ferens, uh at the center position because Andrews was banged up. 
and he's he's just not very very good. So again, you you want to go in there with some juice, get on top of these guys, and really get after their offensive line. They're they're in the middle of the pack on sacks, and that's with quarterbacks that are young and can move. And then number four, I think you got to force the young quarterbacks into turnovers. I I've seen Jones, I've seen him implode. I've seen him with confused at times and with good rush where you're forcing him out and you're in his face. Mm-hmm. I've seen him give the ball up in situations, mix your coverages and pressure and really get after them. He also tends uh, to really look it in. So tell your defensive line if they're not going to get there, you know, read his eyes. They get a lot of balls knocked down because they look it in. But those are the key issues. And, and as I said, when it's all said and done, my prediction, knowing him very well in staff meetings, they're going to try to keep the running game going, and they're going to get the ball to Myers and Stevenson on the passing game. And they're going to tell Jones, if they ever, if their back is turned, they're undisciplined on pass rush lanes, don't ever be afraid to take it and run. All right, it's Rick Venturi. Those are the blueprints on offense uh, here on Inside Football. Let's roll to the blueprints to beat the Patriots on defense when the Colts have the ball. New England got to buy the head coach on the defensive side of the ball here, Bill Belichick, of course. He always takes away your strength uh, and makes you play left-handed. So that's going to be interesting to identify you know, what that is for the Colts in this game. The Patriots have finished top 10 in scoring defense in 10 straight seasons, including last season when they finished second. So far this season, they're 12th, giving up 20 points per game. Uh, they're 23rd against the rush, 14th against the pass, but they are taking the ball away, as we said. They are uh, number one in the NFL in uh, most takeaways, uh, including eight of them in the last three games. Matthew Judon tied for the league lead in sacks with eight and a half. And right behind him is uh, Dietrich Wise. He's got five, and those guys have combined or accounted for, I should say, for over half of the team's sack total. Uh, secondary pretty good. It's comprised of Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty. McCourty had two picks last week in the win over the Jets, and now because of that he has the most picks among active players in the NFL with 30 of them, and he's still getting it done in year number 13. So what are your musts for the Colts to move the ball on this Patriots defense, Rick? Well, going back to what you first said, you know, this is this is a guy that's going to play you game-specific. I mean, I sat in on, you know, two years of game planning, so I, I can just kind of almost feel, uh, you know, what he's going to tell his defensive staff. And my prediction of what he would say to them this week, knowing our team pretty well, is play Taylor heavy. heavy you know, Taylor destroyed them a year ago. Uh, he is not going to let Taylor beat him. So he is going to he's going to play heavy to Taylor. They will try to stop Pittman inside, and they'll try to stay on top of Pierce. That's how he talks. You stay on top of Pierce. We got to choke Pittman off inside, and basically starts with stopping Taylor. And then they'll have a good rush and blitz plan for Ellinger. And, and now that he's seen him play, what he will do, he will try to make him play what we call short. He will try to condense, contain, but condense the pocket. He won't want to give him those lanes inside that he was so effective with throwing. He's going to try to, again, contain and compress. He gives the illusion of a lot of defense, but it's an illusion. The game plan per week is very narrow and very specific to those things, your strength and the weaknesses. Now, there's two concepts 
that he plays over and over. He just uses a million players. I mean, you look, you might look at a double sink on first down from his base defense. You might look at it from the nickel on the second defense, and he might have different linebackers in there. Got, oh, yeah, they play a lot coaches. of guys. There's no doubt yeah, about all that. The, all these guys are – Participation you know, is heavy. Yeah, you, you got the, – the, the only real staples are – uh, obviously, uh, uh, Bentley inside at linebacker, McCourty at safety, Mills at the one corner, and then Judon and Wise. So, uh, everybody else is interchangeable, mm-hmm. and they're and they're interchangeable by game, and they're interchangeable by down and distance. So you can't. What you can't do is get memorized, mesmerized by all those people's people. You got to block looks, and you got to block, and you got to go versus coverages because they're going to be repeated. Now, the two concepts that they run is one that fits perfectly against us, and that's they're a double-sync team. They're going to be double-sync whether it's from, uh, you know, whether it's from uh, uh, base defense, nickel defense, whatever. He's going to be in that double-sync, and he's going to bring safeties down to stop Jonathan Taylor. There's no question about that. You're going to see that. He is going to say they can't run it against this. This is what we're going to play, and that's what they play. Like I said, there's a million double sinks in the game, but they look they'll look different with personnel. Don't worry about it. Block them. Be able to, you know, run off tackle. Do what you have to do. And then in the pass coverage part of it, they're really a man-to-man free team, and they like to press all the time. So again, and they'll be different guys by different weeks. Some teams sometimes it's a it's a big nickel. Uh, you know, with Duggar, sometimes it's a it's a big nickel with Bryant. I mean, it, it all kinds of different guys are going to play, but at the end of the day, it's going to be some kind of, of friggin' man free period with the rubs. Um, now, there's two things you got to be alert for. If you spread, if you spread, Bill has what we call a code system. That you know, I I was there when we when we find, when we invented it really, and so by quarter. He'll play your spread differently. In the first quarter, he may have a, a what we call a sleep check, which he brings everyone, and he's been effective with that. In other words, it's an audible, audible sleep, go get it. You know, sometimes it's a play it, but he has different codes that they play. But you've got to be ready. First time you play, the first time you get in spread, you've got to be ready for a zero blitz. He's turned games around early with that. And then they'll play a 3-2 on long yardage, third and really long, and he plays a million guys, and that's it. But the one guy that is the Mike is number 30. Everybody else is the spinner, and they have to block. But the one thing I'll say is because of all the personnel switching, if you can beat their man-to-man coverage and force them to zone, they have become a poor, I think, technique team, particularly on pass defense and zones, just simply because they play so many guys and they come from all over. But your must, the number one thing, and I think this is really important, and John Gruden always talks about this with me against different teams, is you got to attack them early and fast with juice. you you got to come after them when we go to Foxborough. Don't wait. Don't play ourselves into the game. I think some things we have to do, number one, we have to have some runs called, but we have to be able to check with me to the outside deep. And I want to create some matchups deep. My number one matchup, number one, of course, is Pierce. I want Pierce on the outside. And there's times this week I want to get in speed trips, and I want and I want Jelani Woods out there to the weak side by himself and to see if he can get a bad matchup on a safety. And so what I like there is 
quick tempo runs called, but the ability to kill it and to throw it back outside and take your shots. I like fast tempo against them because I think it reduces the amount of specialization he can do. I think if you if you go quick on him and he can't get his you know because a lot of times he'll just substitute by first, second, and third downs. So I think quick tempo hurts him. I think you could pound the edges. They're gonna they're gonna bang you inside. So I think you got to pound the edges both with JT and finesse them with some of the zone reads. Uh, obviously, um, with the quarterback. Right. Uh, and, but and and you know what? Go after Judon in the run. He's a very good rusher, but he's not the greatest pass. He's not the greatest run player. Use your what we call gas plays early. If you have a reverse, if you have a special run to the quarterback, if you just want to take a doggone shot to Pierce, don't wait. Let's go get him. Let's get him right off the bat. Uh, you know, because the biggest thing you want to do is you want to you want to you you want to put them on their heels right off the bat. Don't let them get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in that sense, and 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 quiet their Foxborough crowd. Number two. Got to be ready with your man beaters. You hear me talk about four beaters a lot or three beaters. You got to be ready with your man man beaters because this is a man to man free team. Your bunches, your rubs, your meshes, your runaway routes. Take shots early and attack. I really believe you have to win on the outside quadrant of the field. The majority of their stuff this week is going to be numbers to numbers on defense in between what I call the monuments. So again. When you're throwing the ball, you always want to have some rub releases that will go versus man zone, but will make it tough in their man. And we want to take Pierce, and we want to win outside. And I'd also like to feature Jelani Woods at times uh, on the weak side by himself and see what matchup we can get there. All right, number three, you got to block Judon number one and Wise number two. Now, Judon primarily likes to rush off of his left side. And so Bill will make the determination this week whether he wants to rush um, on Smith or whether he wants to run on De- on Dennis Kelly. So, and, and we could see him on either side, you know. He, but he is the guy you have to block. You, if it if it means chipping him, it means chipping him. And he has a good inside move. He can come up and under. He, you know, the eight and a half sacks, you know, are are basically what he does. And then with Wise, I think Wise is more dangerous when they get in their double sinks and he is inside on your guards. I think that's that that's where you have to be alert for Wise. But he, you know, Judon is the number one game changer, so don't let him beat us. I always say that. This is a guy, I know if Belichick was talking to his own team, he would say, do not let Judon beat us, okay? And then I think number four, he is going to see the, all the variety of blitzes that have hurt us. Uh, and he has he has them from over, from Delta, and the sleets, again, are audibles. But they will have a basic rush plan, and that basic rush plan will be to keep, as I said before, it will be to keep, uh, to, to keep him in the pocket, to keep Ellinger in the pocket, and to squeeze him in the pocket – and make him play short. That's the way he talks, and make it collapse. And then they will blitz. They will have a blitz package because of our history of not doing it. So those are the key issues, again, as you look at it. And, mm-hmm. again, his game plan will unfold early, and you'll you'll know immediately who he's going to take away and how he's going to do it. 
All right, we'll roll up the blueprints and get them done coming up on Sunday. That's good stuff right there on Inside Football with Rick Venturi. Lastly, Rick, before we close out, I mean, Sam Ellinger looked very good, uh, all things considered, in his first career start. But as you know, I mean, we all know, playing in New England, it's just a, it's a different animal. It's just different up there. The fans are different. Uh, the environment's different. Bill Belichick's on the other sideline. In fact, since Gillette Stadium opened back in 2002, the Patriots are 131-33 and 33 at home. And the Colts haven't won up there since 2006. And they've sent some pretty good teams up there and have come up short. Now, the Patriots, as you said, they're not going to confuse you with some of the best teams of uh, New England squads of, of old, of lore, if you will. But they're very beatable. Um, we talked about it. They're middle-of-the-road talent-wise. Um, but they will absolutely beat you at home if you make mistakes and turn the ball over and beat yourself. And that's what the Colts have routinely done to themselves this season. So if the Colts have any ideas of salvaging the season, it's got to start now. There's absolutely no more margin for error from here on out with this team. Absolutely, Matt. And the biggest success that I've had in going in there and playing against Bill is convincing our team of certain things. Number one, this team is very, very beatable. You know, anticipate coaches, players, anticipate what you're probably going to see based on your strength and liabilities. Be honest with yourself here. You know, be ready to adapt if he's doing something extreme. The one thing about Belichick, where he's different than other guys, is his game plan sometimes is not only to take you away, but it can be extreme. Now, the plans will unfold early, so be ready to adapt. Now, I think this is critical, and this has something to do with what you just said. Go there to start fast. Don't dumb it down. Go there to attack them, mm-hmm. with, as, as my good friend John Gruden says, with juice. You know, get after them. Gas them with your specials early and your shots and unsettle them. That's what you have to do because they'll try to unsettle you, as you said. Unsettle them. Shut up their crowd. Keep their owners, Capri, you know, they're so camera happy. They're always giving one another five, the owner and his kids. Keep them quiet, (laughs) you know, tempo them, reduce their specialization. This is a solid NFL team, but it's not a great team. This is a one-in-three team in Foxborough. This is not your father's Patriots. Brady, Moss, Gronk, Edelman, they're not coming. Mm. McGinnis, Brewski, Seymour, Ty Law, they're not coming to play Sunday. Key issue is this, and this includes Belichick. Play the man, not the myths. Belichick is not undefeated, and his team is 4-4. Four and four. Right. Attack them like the Bears did. Attack them from the opening kickoff to the last second of the game and get this thing back to 500. There you go. Rick Venturi, great breakdown as always. Inside football, the blueprints and the knowledge every single week. When was the last time you were in New England? Uh, that's a good question. I think it was one of my – it's been a while. I, I think it was my last – either my last or second to the last year yeah. um, with the Rams. Uh, we went up there when, you know, Brady obviously was really rolling. Mm-hmm. We lost a very, very close game up there. We had it. We had a real chance to win it at the end. And uh, you know they, we just we just did, couldn't quite get it done. We got the ball back for our offense, but we couldn't score at the very end, and it was very very tight game. But you know again, it's it's funny because I've been both inside with him and against him several times, and yeah. 
you know, we've known one another for years, even before I worked for him. We, we, back when I was in Indianapolis in those early days, we were in the 3-4, and this is even before he was a head coach. They were in the 3-4 of the Giants mm-hmm. when he was assistant with the Giants. And we used to really get together a lot, like down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine, and we really used to discuss – you know, the 3-4, three, the how we played other teams. Mm-hmm. And then after I left them, when I was in New Orleans, you're not supposed to do this, but we did it anyway. We had seminars with them when we didn't play one another, and yet we might play their division or something. And we, we used to have seminars with them all the time. So. Really? Kind of know how, yeah. Kind of know how he thinks a little bit. Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll say so. I mean, if there's anybody locally here in town that knows Bill Belichick, it's it's definitely you, my friend. Well, enjoy it. Um, you know, enjoy some clam chowder on Saturday night before the game. <laughs> I'll maybe take in some of that New England foliage up there, and uh, we're excited for a Week Nine interesting game. There's no doubt about it. As you said at the beginning, as we said last week, the Colts are never lacking for storylines. There's always something going on. And and also, Matt, we're never we're never we're never lacking for fourth quarter drama. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Every time I look at you in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> it's down to the line. <laughs> we're standing up, yeah. We're, we're gyrating and, and trying to will this team to a win. That's what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday for travel day. All right, Matt. Talk it. You got it. Rick Venturi, outstanding per usual on Inside Football this week. For the latest on the Colts, you're in the right spot. Check us out, Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and be sure to subscribe to everything on the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcasts. For Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor. That's the breakdown on the New England Patriots, coaching changes, quarterback changes, and trades inside the Colts locker room. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. We'll do it again on another installment of Inside Football, breaking down the Raiders in week number 10. For Rick, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.